so I've promised the tech team and uh, the camera people that I would not move too far. So uh, I am I'm trying to tether myself to this spot while I bring you the message. So good morning, and I'm so glad to see all of you here. I'm so glad to see that those of you who like the sun are in the sun, and those of you who like the shade are able to be in the shade. Uh, for those of you who might not know who I am, my name is Wendy Woods, and I serve as an elder here at St. John, and it is always a privilege to bring a message on a Sunday morning. Our scripture basis is from Genesis 21, verses 8 through 21 which Anne has very graciously read for us. And if you have your Bible with you, I would ask that you might want to stick a marker in Romans 6, because I'm going to refer to that later on. So as we join our characters this morning in Genesis, let me remind you of a little few of the things that have gone before. Because they were getting very old, Sarah suggested to Abraham that he have a child with the servant girl, Hagar, which he did. And that child was named Ishmael. When Abraham and Sarah were even older, the Lord told them they would have a son. And they did. And Sarah became pregnant and had a baby who they named Isaac. So that sort of brings you up to date. So in today's story, we find our cast of characters having a party and there seems to be a bit of discord in the camp. Sarah was concerned that Ishmael would get part of Abraham's vast inheritance, and she wanted it all for Isaac. After all, isn't that what was promised to them by those angels that we talked about before? Did God not say that Sarah would bear Abraham's son, and his descendants would be innumerable? So, Again, and in those of you who have heard me um, give messages before know I like audience participation. Who is it that to whom that, that promise was made? Abraham and Sarah. Yes, yes. So nowhere do we hear about an alternate solution. Nowhere at all. Sarah did indeed become pregnant. Sarah had the heir who had been promised to God in God's covenant with Abraham. So what about Ishmael? He was being raised right there, right alongside Isaac. And in fact, I was surprised because I guess as we read it, we, we kind of get the feeling that it's sort of a close proximity. But there's actually 13 to 14 years difference in their age. So Ishmael is actually 13-ish at the time that Isaac is born. So he's the elder brother. So there's also a whole long time for Hagar to feel that her son would certainly be given the inheritance because there was no baby. And in fact, Hagar after a while began to take a tone with Sarah. You know what I mean, right? Have a bit of an attitude. She was the mother of the heir. So now back as we join our group today, they're at a party celebrating Isaac's weaning, which I'm guessing at that point in time, he might have been about two-ish, maybe one, two, something like that. Sarah perceived a real problem. Her son, the rightful heir, would have to share the spotlight with Ishmael. Now, 
the one translation says that he was playing with, that Ishmael was playing with Isaac. Some of the um, Judaic translations that I consulted actually said he was teasing him. So here Sarah is seeing this, and she, this is the tipping point. She's over it. So she says to Abraham, and I, I liked Anne's little interjection, you know, make this woman go away and her son with her. And God said, listen to Sarah, it'll be okay. Now, I cannot imagine having a 13-year-old son and just sending him away. It baffles me. It breaks my heart to think of anybody having to send away their teenage son. He was distressed, but he was obedient. And he didn't say, now here's, here's what gets me, okay? He sent them away with a skin or a container of water and some bread. Okay, how many of you have ever fed a teenage boy? Or how many of you have ever been a teenage boy? Okay. So I can't imagine sending a teenage boy and his mother away with just some water and some bread. And ironically, there was a cartoon in the paper one of the more recent days this week. Um, it's a teenage boy and his father and they go out to go fishing. And the, the boy says he's hungry. And the father says, oh, well, there's, you know, granola bar. Take a granola bar. Or look to see what your mother packed you for lunch. And he comes out with a sandwich that's like this high. His mother knows how to feed a teenage boy, right? So that's how kind of I would expect Abraham and Sarah to send off Hagar and Ishmael with at least a proper amount of food, you know, kind of a picnic worth. But our scripture is not meant to point fingers at Abraham and Sarah and their poor planning. Out in the wilderness, Ishmael and Hagar run out of water. Now, I suppose that they, it doesn't mention bread, and maybe they've already run out of that too, but you can probably survive a little longer without the bread than you can without the water. Hagar and Ishmael are having to suffer because of Sarah and Abraham's poor decision. And now it appeared that it was going to cost them their life. So, time to put your thinking caps on. Have you ever made a decision that you thought might bring you to ruin? Maybe not cost you your life, but bring you to some kind of ruin, maybe financial, maybe professional. Think back. Is there any decision you might have made in your younger days that you might have thought, wow, this is going to be, you know, going to have some really major repercussions. Think of all the people who are taken by get-rich-quick get schemes that only end up being get-poor-quickly schemes, or people who have been taken by financial and emotion, emotional decisions that started, started out okay, turned out badly. So I have a former colleague, and she had a bad marriage and left that. And many years later, once her son was grown, she went on to a faith-based dating app, um, internet thing, right? You can all figure out which one that might have been. And she met a gentleman 
And my, my colleague, um, her growing up years were spent, uh, her parents were missionaries, so they were all over the place. So for her to meet somebody in another country didn't phase her because, you know, she'd lived in many other countries. So they got to talking and chatting, and over the course of months, they, they seemed to feel that there was a connection. And he would offhandedly mention something about money that he needed money for, and he was going to have to wait another, you know, let's say maybe, you know, needed a pair of shoes, and he was going to have to wait another month till he got his paycheck or whatever. And she would send him money. And you know where this is going. The final thing was the airfare to come here and meet her. And she had given him access to her savings account. And the money went for the airfare. He was never seen again or heard from again. His account was closed and all her money went with it. It was a poor decision. It cost her a lot of money. It also cost her relationships and it cost her um, a professional situation because she was stuck working where she was in a job she hated because A, she needed the money and B, she had borrowed money from her employer for something right at the end of that and so she had to pay that back. Long-term effects. Now we have Hagar and Ishmael wandering around in the wilderness and running out of water. So Hagar has Ishmael sit under a tree in the shade, and then she goes a, a little bit of distance. Now it says a, a bow shot. For me, that would be here. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, growing up, that's me now, growing up, um, we did have a bow target in our field, and I could probably make it to that, you know, picnic table over there or something. So a little bit of ways, I can picture that, a little bit of ways from, from where Hagar is sitting. And then she's gone over there because how many of us mothers like our kids to see us cry, right? We, we tend, especially the younger they are, we tend to cry in our room. We tend to cry when they're not there. We tend to cry at night in our bed. We don't want our kids to see how really upset we are. So she probably said, here, you sit in the shade. It'll be okay. Mom's going to go over here for a little bit. And then she had a breakdown. God heard her. God heard Ishmael crying, and he heard Hagar crying out to him, saying, okay, here we are, we're going to die, but I just can't watch my son die. And God says, why are you crying? I have a plan. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for Ishmael. Then, of course, their immediate need being thirst she opened her eyes and there was a well. Now, you know it wasn't there five minutes ago because she'd have seen it. There was a well. And she said, go and, and, you know, help him up and give him a drink and hold tight to his hand. Don't just let him wander off. Hold tight to his hand. And I also have a sneaking suspicion she didn't just fill that water skin once. She probably filled that fairly, fairly full, maybe a couple of times. Now, I'm a storyteller, as you all know, and my brain goes, so what happens now? What happens over the next umpteen years? Because did Hagar ever marry again? One source that I, met, that I read said that 
Ishmael was raised by his mother alone. I don't know. Don't have any proof. It doesn't say that between, you know, verse 19 and verse 21. Um, where did they live? They, they wandered the, the wilderness, but did they, they must have had a tent. They must have run into some people that helped them, gave them supplies. Um, it says he was an expert with the bow, so he could probably, you know, kill something to eat. But what about vegetables? What about grain for bread? You know, there, there has to be provision there as well. But it's not important to our story, obviously, because we don't see it. I have so many questions. It's not important for us to know. What is important is that God kept his promise. He cleaned up the mess. He kept his promise to Ishmael and to Hagar. And we know, according to verse 21, that his mother found him a wife. And that's not the end of the story, because if you skip ahead to chapter 25 in Genesis, we read that Ishmael showed up for Abraham's funeral with 12 sons. So there's the beginning of that, I will multiply, I will give you descendants, I will make a nation out of you. Is where Ishmael's life looked like a poor decision. Getting sent away looked like a real mess. In fact, it looked like a death sentence there for a minute. But God didn't look at it that way. He cleaned up his mess. He cleaned, he kept his promises. And Ishmael went to live. Uh, we hear that he lived to be like 137 or something like that. But back to Abraham and Sarah, who are, you know, still back at the party, right? After all, it was their poor decision that God is cleaning up. It's their mess. Abraham and Sarah rejected them, but God does not reject us. His love and his promises are permanent. We are dearly loved no matter who on earth doesn't love us. So that's the promise he gave to Ishmael. Remember, I'll always love you. And that's the promise he gives to us. Now God indeed did bless Abraham with many descendants through Isaac, just as he had promised. Just because Abraham and Sarah made a mistake did not mean that God loved them any less, nor that he abandoned his plans for them. The plan to be accomplished through Abraham and Isaac remained. And just because we love the Lord doesn't mean we're perfect or that we're always going to make those perfect decisions. We can spend knee time over a decision and still screw it up. I'm here to tell you, you can still make a mistake even though you've asked God, show me, tell me. We still have to listen correctly. We still have to hear the right words. We still have to determine with God's discernment whether it's an opportunity or a temptation. Just because we love him, we're not going to always make perfect decisions and there will be consequences for some of those bad decisions we make. Remember I mentioned that you should also mark Romans 6? Well, here's your, here's your moment. In verses 1 and 2 in Romans 6, it says, Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Just because we made a poor decision doesn't mean that we're doomed to continue to make poor decisions. 
We don't have to keep down that path. The word repent means to ask forgiveness and turn around. You don't have to wait. If we're living in Christ, following his ways, we will not want to keep on sinning. We will not want to keep making those poor decisions based on what we'd rather do than what he wants us to do. So what if Abraham and Sarah had listened? What if they had waited? Well, the story would be whole different, that's for sure. We also know that they lived as much as possible for the Lord and listened to him. They didn't intentionally go out and go, oh, let's ignore God's word. Let's ignore him. Let's they did what they thought was going to be a good option. So further in Romans 6, in verses 6 and 7, we read, We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be a slave to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. Now, we're not stuck suffering forever because of that bad decision. Christ died for us. He has forgiven those sins as long as we repent of them, and he loves us no matter what. I repeat, he loves us no matter what. He's going to make gardens from those graves. He's going to make, I love the, the line that says he makes seas into highways. Can you see that, right? The parting of the Red Sea, and there's that highway right between. He makes a way, even though we've screwed it up royally, we have messed up, he's there to clean it up for us. We all make mistakes. We will all continue to make mistakes. Have no fear. And even as we endeavor to follow God's will for our lives and walk his path, we will make mistakes because we are human we're human just as Abraham and Sarah were human maybe we even start to feel that not only did we make a mistake but that we are a mistake just like Ishmael probably thought that as they were trudging through the wilderness God will be with us through our lives even when we make poor decisions and feel we have been abandoned he will be with us through our lives even when we make poor decisions, bad decisions, decisions with serious consequences. I imagine there are a whole lot of people in jail suffering the consequences, but God loves them, and they confess, and they want to do better, but they still have to pay those consequences. I'm sure that Ken could tell you stories. He sent Jesus to die for us even though we committed the sins way before we ever committed them. We are not 2,000 years old. God has promises for us, and he will fulfill them, no matter what poor decisions we make along the way, because we can repent, turn around, and get back on the path he had for us. Unlike the parents who always clean up after their kids and expect the kids to do nothing, God does ask us to take responsibility for one thing, repent and believe. Sounds like two things, but it's really just one. Repent 
turn around and believe that God will keep those promises that he has forgiven you repent and believe God did the rest to clean up our mess by sending Jesus let's pray precious Heavenly Father we thank you that you did send Jesus to clean up our messes that you sent Jesus to forgive us long before we ever made a poor decision we thank you for honoring your promises to Isaac to Ishmael to Abraham and Sarah and to us thank you for being with us for walking along the path for making gardens out of those graves and highways out of those seas armies out of those bones whatever is it is that we've messed up thank you for making something good out of it let us always serve you and listen to you when we make our decisions and thank you for forgiving us and cleaning it up when we still decide poorly in Jesus name Amen <laughs>